Dean is an app developer who I met when I was invited onto the delightful Mac and Forth podcast. I was particularly interested in Dean's app Crystal, an iOS ad blocker that in many ways works actively against the companies in an industry adjacent to mine, advertising, although I see ourselves as the good guys when it comes to promotion. I find out from Dean how he got into app development, identified his very specific niche, and getting his app out to market. So good morning, Dean. It's good to speak to you finally. Yeah, it is. It's good to speak to you again. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been a few months. It has. I, I, I was going to say, it feels like months since we organised this interview. Um, and I should say a thank you to Carl Madden, because I met you on his podcast, Mac and Forth, um, where you're mainly a regular, although I know you've been quite busy at the moment, so you've missed a few of them. Um, so I met you on that. I can't remember why Carl brought me in. Uh, some expert on something I don't think I came yeah. across like GDPR, that. if yeah. I remember. Yeah, that's GDPR. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was um, introduced to your app because I, I then started listening. In fact, it takes me back uh, to last year where I met Carl at a, a meetup for a, a podcast that we both happened to listen to. Uh, started listening to his podcast and then eventually got invited on. I know about you that way and about your app development. But I wanted to know more because while I've got a few friends who work on the app development side, they're either involved in a development team or they do one part of it, like graphics or just the programming. And I thought it'd be really interesting to find out how you deal with that as a sort of one-man band, how you came up with the idea um, and that sort of thing. So I do, I do want to delve into that side of it, you know, how you developed your Crystal ad blocking app. But before I do, how did you get into programming? What's your background? My background, well... Ever since I was um, a bit younger, I always used to tinker around with websites and try and make websites and often fail and make terrible websites and just, just understand how the web works. That, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's my introduction. Um, I never really found it as a career path. I got more into IT support, network support. And I always just try to learn programming in my free time, like proper computer-based programming rather mm-hmm. than web, web programming. And it never really stuck. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing tried reading books this went over my head probably mm. a wrong books to start off with as a beginner and I kind of just gave it up for a bit and then the iPhone came out and I remember being very inspired the first Christmas that the app store was available I read a news story that someone made an app where you just press a button and it makes a farting noise and it yeah. made like $750,000 over the Christmas week because everyone got their new iPhone touches um and the new iPhones, and they were all downloading the apps. And this app was number one on the charts. Just a silly little app, just press a button, it makes a noise. And I just thought, if one person could do that, I could should be able to pick it up. It can't mm-hmm. be that hard. And then that's got me into iOS development. Um, I already had a Mac, which I used um, mostly for leisure and for music mm-hmm. creation. Uh, I used to love GarageBand. And I just downloaded the tools and just got stuck in and gave up, got stuck in again, <laughs> gave up, because it's, it's very hard. To, it used to be a lot harder. It's a lot easier now to... Apple's really lowered the barrier of entry to uh, to get into this and mm-hmm. to learn this. And a lot more good resources around iOS specifically now. But um, eventually it just stuck and I was making some very basic apps. And then um, my first proper app that I made was a number game where you just enter math problems and you get a timer. And the more you get right, the longer your timer gets. Mm-hmm. And if you struggle a little bit, the timer runs out, it's game over. Mm-hmm. So um, you really just race against yourself. And that was... Um, that done pretty well but then my biggest app must be crystal adblock which um yeah i guess we'll get onto that soon I'm yeah no absolutely i'm i'm, I'm keen it's just i'm i'm always fascinated by how people get to where they are now 
because I think mm. a lot of people look at maybe a successful app or a successful business, you know, maybe like um, Instagram um, selling for what was a lot, a lot of money at the time. What was it? One billion dollars. Um, but now yeah. you, you get like WhatsApp is like 19 billion. I, I don't know what it was. It's much higher. <laughs> but you think I, I at the time I may have heard of Instagram, but to me it was quite, you know, it was in the back of my mind. And you think, wow, this thing has come out of nowhere and it's suddenly worth this amount of money. Like uh, Chris Ladblock and other apps, these things don't just appear. They don't just happen overnight. It's more about how the developers or how the business owners get it to that place. And usually it's a lot of failures or a lot of wrong turns but until they find something that sticks, that works with people, that resounds with people. How many apps did you make before you settled on something that you found worked for you? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll just go through a quick history of them. The first app was called Decider, and that took me about a month to get that actually fully made and then shipped to the app store, and that was my first ever app I shipped. Mm-hmm. And it's a very basic app. It's just got a coin flip, a dice, just helps you decide things. So it's I've, I had very low expectations of it doing well mm-hmm. because it's it was just a test app just to get out there and just put something out there. Um, after that, I made an app called uh, Joke Shake, where you shake your phone and it gives you a new joke. That's a neat idea, yeah. It traced through random jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Were they good jokes? Like, not really. I scraped them from <laughs> all different websites. And um, that was just mainly learning how databases work and how to randomize, you know, pick an item from random from a database and don't repeat it. So mm. it's every app I've kind of iterated on what I've, what I've learned previously. And again, I had no expectations for that and that didn't do too well. Um, number two is where I started earning beer money. I started earning back the uh, the money I was putting into Apple. So I was paying, I think the developer fee was about $100 mm, a year. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was earning a nice bit of extra money on the side, you know, a couple hundred pounds at most a, a month, which for pointing out there isn't too bad. No, that's pretty good. I think a lot of people might yeah. be satisfied with that as a sort of side income. Yeah, that was, um, that was one of my first successes is, you know, getting from uh, the red to the black, mm. essentially, as in terms of how much money I've put puts into it which wasn't a lot you know but just buying the dev tools buying sketch which is a really great graphic design program and you know buying little bits of software and services so i wouldn't put much money in but i was getting a little bit more money back which was it's always a bonus if mm. you if your hobbies start paying for themselves eventually and then um crystal was the next one and that was the big turning point where it turned from it turned from you know i was working night shifts 12 hour nights managing it systems and then the next day i could go in and say to my boss here's my notice uh, i'm an app developer now was that a good day it was yeah it was it's very weird because i really enjoyed my old job it was uh doing it support yeah. and because i was doing night shifts it was very reactive work so yeah. if something broke it was it's all for public services so for the police the health service uh, councils if something broke overnight we'd fix it but yeah. other than that we're just sitting around waiting for things to break and we're just on call for that so um it's one of the jobs that gave me a lot of time to practice programming so i was doing a lot of learning on a night and just learning to better myself and um i even asked because the company i used to work for made software as well mm-hmm. and i was on the support side i said i really enjoy software development i do it as a hobby i'd really like to you know shadow some of the team at, in one of the other offices who, mm-hmm. who do this and um unfortunately just no you're you're in the support team you don't get to do that so because they're <laughs> pigeonholed you they, yeah, yeah exactly so so you know in, in effect they, they lost you because they weren't allowing you to develop exactly i knew i was kind of in like a dead end part of that job yeah. my only real progression was to go up the managerial chain and if i was doing that i'd be working day shifts and i'll take away the night shifts yeah. i was working on I'd even get paid not that much more when you consider the night shift allowance and 12-hour shift allowance. Mm-hmm. Be working Monday to Friday rather than having these really flexible shift patterns. So that really didn't appeal to me. 
So it's quite that the job worked out well in in a way that it was easier to to leave because it wasn't something you were wedded to, but also gave you a lot of time to to practice and read up on on and everything from Crystal. So actually, we're talking about it now. So tell us a little bit about what Crystal is and what inspired you to build it. Yeah, so um, Crystal is an ad blocker for iOS. So you install it and you enable it in the settings, and then when you browse the web on Safari, it will block the adverts. Um, by default, there's an option called acceptable ads, which mm-hmm. um, lets through very minimal advertising. Um, but you can turn it off if you want to block all advertising. But um, during my studies, I found most people don't mind advertising as such. They just are really irritated by the worst kinds of advertising, such as really big you know, pop-ups, autoplay videos. and Yeah, ones that block your screen and stop you doing exactly. anything else. Ah, oh, so frustrating. Exactly, yeah. Um, one of my highlights is because Apple introduced the ability to add blockers in iOS 9. Mm. And there was a website, I can't remember which website, it was like a PC Pro or something. They made an article that says Apple iOS ad blocking explained and why it's a bad move. And if you load that page up on a mobile, you've got a big banner at the top, you've got the share buttons and at the bottom, then you've got the article header. And then directly underneath the article header, you've got this more, you know, links to five easy ways to use up your paint so the only thing you can see when you like this article is just a headline you can't see any of the content that they want you to read and it's it was just quite ironic that they're saying you know their website as soon as you first load it that's a perfect example of why they're doing it because the web is such a yeah on the mobile web especially it's such a frustrating place to uh, navigate so um just tell me a little bit how how does the app work what does it do to block adverts Mm -hmm. so um it pulls in a filter list Mm -hmm. and it uh, this is a big giant list that just tells it what rules to apply to a website. So every time a website loads, it looks at these rules and then it might say block ads.com from mm-hmm. loading any content on this domain. So um, as soon as a website runs, it'll iterate for this list and block everything that's, that's specified. That's uh, basically a very high level um, overview of it. it. It does. Well, these these ad blockers, because there are lots of different ones out there. Um, and, and to be honest, we've had, I remember, ad blockers on PC and when I use, was using PC, which is a long time ago now, but they had ad blockers on at the time, which probably were more spyware, <laughs> I'd imagine. Um, but <laughs> generally speaking, with ads, it's 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 about um, the the speed. Well, two two things now actually tracking. So whether what information they're gleaning about you that is then being leached away to some other server you don't know about, but also speed. And I think for me, the big thing is speed. Um, and you show some speed improvements. You've got a graph where you've got lots of different sites and what their speeds were, um, and like sites like Wired, you know, which might have lots of advertising on. You know, have how come the speeds are so much improved once you remove all, the, all of those? And why do they vary so much from site to site? Um, why do they vary is pretty much um, how many ads, how many trackers, how many third-party dependencies are, are integrated into the sites. So some are worse than others. Some are very lean. But it's the speed improvements actually got me to experimenting with um, ad blocking. Yeah. Before Crystal was even Crystal, I just made a very basic ad blocker that mm-hmm. looked at this one website I visited that has loads of ads. And all it done was block all third-party scripts from running. So any right. scripts that's not part of this website, don't load them, which are typically ads, share sheets, share buttons, etc. And I tested it. And um, the time to, for the page to load dropped from 11 seconds down to two seconds. That's I thought crazy. that can't be right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. So that can't be right. That must be, I must be caching the page. So I cleared the cache, tested it again, and tested it again. And I was getting the same results. And I thought, so I blogged about it. And that blog post 
went viral. Um, blog post. I'm trying experimenting with the new Apple stuff, and I started getting a lot of attention to my blog because of it. So then um, I thought, well, can I make an ad blocker that does it for more than just this one particular website? You know, expand it. And then that's pretty much how Crystal came to be. I started expanding it, blogging about it, and out of that, I started getting all these people coming to my blog and reading it. I was sharing it on Reddit, and it got very popular there because if you have a headline with Apple ad blocking and you know page loads X amount faster, mm-hmm. that that is a very viral, shareable headline that a lot of um, tech press wanted to pick up on. And then it, I was at work doing night shifts. And I started getting emails from like the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and, wow. and all these different publications saying, we saw your blog post about Apple ad blocking. Can we ask you a few questions? So I started doing interviews. And um, so all, all out of these blog posts, I was just posting my results from testing. I was getting all this attention. So I thought I'd be silly if I didn't turn this into a product, right? It's it, it's just a natural evolution. I didn't even think when I was starting out, this is going to be products I'd make. I just assumed that there's several large ad blocking companies. They would be, you know, they've got the time, the resources, to just dominate the market on mobile um, as they've already established themselves mm-hmm. on desktop. But there was space to uh, disrupt that. Yeah. So what, what do you think the difference is um, with your app over these established players? When you um, look at the differences between pretty much all of them, and I've, I've read a lot of people who've done benchmarks and testing, there's very little difference, really. It's more down to user preference. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of aim my app to be very simple to use there's some apps that are more better suited for power users i'd find um if you want to go in and tinker like it's one that lists like all the all the rules individually it's like you know, ten thousand to fifty thousand rules if you want to go in and tinker the rules and you know what you're doing that'd be a perfect app to use but um my app is just made just really for your average user who just downloads it installs it and um very minimal configuration required mm-hmm. just simple no and it looks I, I must admit that before i met you and heard of crystal i uh i entertained the idea of another app um and i've been using that one and it had a mac app too so it felt like well this works across both but it was one of those ones which had lots of complexity to it and really i don't care for that you know sometimes i might want it off because i do want to browse things with ads or i want to whitelist something like uh, maybe there's a site like daring fireball or another site where i think oh, i'm okay with them either knowing about my information or you know certainly getting ad revenue from that because that's one thing they miss out on having tried yours it's so much simpler <laughs> it is I was, i'm always, always looking is it this is it it's installed and once you enable it in settings that's it you know there's there's very few settings which is nice. It's it's um it's a breath of fresh air. In, in fact, so I'm, I'll be certainly using yours from now on and giving a good test run, and I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. But so far, it does seem fast, and it's it's not um it's been easy it's been easy to set up, and I'm very lazy, so anything easy to set up <laughs> is good. Uh, just on that note, will you be are you thinking of making a Mac app as well? Because obviously, I'll need a complementary app on the other side. Is that something you're planned? I am. Yeah, I've actually been working with um, AdBlock Plus recently and um, helping them with their iOS stuff. And I get to work on Crystal as well there too. And because um, I've got this like, partnership going with them. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, um, we've released the Mac app this week for Adblock Plus, mm-hmm. And I'm going to be adapting that code base that we've got and uh, making a Crystal branded version as well. Brilliant. So um, okay. yeah, that is, on the, that is on the cards. We'll look out for that. How would uh, people know about that? Will they follow you on uh, Twitter or is there another better way to um, yeah, follow on Twitter or look at the website crystalapp.co and um, 
I believe on Crystal App on Twitter. Okay, I'll make sure people get the links in the show notes. Um, what I wanted to find out is um, just I, I want to I want to talk about promotion, but just to finish off where we're talking at the moment, why do you think people are now into ad blocking? Why do you think it, it is a current topic? Not for everyone, but a lot of people. Do you think is it because advertisers and publishers have gone too far, and we we feel that we just need to push back a little bit? What what, what where do you think this has all come from? I think so. I mean, in when I'd done a I'd done a user survey back in around about when I launched it. Mm-hmm. Um, two years ago and the main reasons people wanted to um, block it which is about 60% of the reasons were to limit the visual clutter and to speed up their browsing but um, I, um, privacy was the third biggest with nearly a third of people reporting privacy but I'd imagine that has grown quite significantly given the recent Facebook thing that happened yeah. a few months ago and there's just more awareness of because uh, privacy is very um, invisible I mm. think user privacy on the internet like you don't see your data siphoning between all these different companies, all these different scripts, passing off different information. You don't see that, but you do see the adverts. So the adverts are a very visual thing that turn you to ad blockers. But as you become more aware of privacy for all these, you know, these, these privacy breaches, all this mm-hmm. um, new stuff with Facebook, people are more aware of saying, uh, of, of this invisible stuff happening in the background, which is um, only a good thing. I yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, and it's, it's interesting what you, in your survey, um, that, most people didn't list, they just don't want to see the ads. It's more about the speed and the privacy and the clutter. It's the fact that it got in the way of what they were trying to do. Having ads there wasn't necessarily the problem. It's the fact they had an ad at the top, on the side, in between, um, popping over the top. Um, you have these ads now as you where they've got a lot of paginated content, haven't they? And they slip ads yeah. in between. So you click next, you go <laughs> to an ad, then you click next. Even PayPal does it when you log in. You've got an ad for something for one of their services, but it's an ad <laughs> stopping me getting into PayPal. It's it's insane, and that's a it's not a very nice experience. So it is it is a good thing, sort of pushing back on that. I was just going to just end on this bit um, about Safari and, and Apple. They've sort of been pushing forward in this, and I know in the new. The new version of Mojave is it coming out on Monday? So it's coming out soon. Um, Monday, yes. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, that they, they've upgraded their intelligent tracking prevention. Is that? Do you think that's enough for most people, or does uh, ad blockers like Crystal go a bit further? It's definitely great for people who don't have ad blockers. Mm. I think, um, and it does some system level stuff that I don't think ad blockers can really capable uh, are really capable of um, managing in mm. like a in an easy way or a trivial way. For example, it stops fingerprinting or it tries to prevent fingerprinting as much as possible, which is when you load up a website, it tries to get as many unique bits of information to narrow it down to you as a person or, or you as a, a number, essentially, in their system, um, such as, you know, what fonts have you got installed? Um, what extensions have you got installed? Um, in the new version of Safari, they stop that. So every user with the new version of Safari has the exact same fonts listed. Every user has the exact same extensions list or, or no extensions at all so when this fingerprinting algorithms try to run against a safari user they'll be very hard to distinguish against other safari users um but it doesn't remove the adverts it stops a lot of tracking it gives you cons- it gives you the ability to give consent if you do want to allow tracking for example mm-hmm. if you if facebook comments are embedded on a website and you click on them it'll say do you want to share this information with facebook of the page that you're on and oh, you, you're in more control. And those those are um, everywhere. And I mean, yes. as as web developers as well, a lot of people want that on there. 
And sometimes we're pushing back a little bit on it. Not necessarily because of privacy, it's more visual clutter sometimes, having all of that stuff on there. But you're right, those, just dropping those on a page, if someone's logged into Facebook and they come across that page, Facebook knows they've been there and they don't even have to interact with it. So what you're yeah. saying now is Safari is just gonna hold, just put that in a sandbox and wait until someone clicks on it and authorizes that, that sort of area to run. And then, then you know, Facebook will know, but at least you've, had the, um, you've given it permission rather than it just taking that and you didn't even notice because you may not even see it on the page. It could be right down the bottom or in the sidebar, you're ignoring it, but actually Facebook knows you're there, um, which helps their advertising model. Um, okay, so I, as being a pr sort of promotional marketing company, I'm really interested in how people get the word out there and what works. So can you, you've already explained a little bit about how it worked and actually you, you sort of hooked into a vein of a topic which, which people were, were talking about at the moment. But sort of, can you explain more about what you did to uh, push that along and um, get out there in terms of promoting yourself? So yeah, building on what I said earlier, I got this blog post which had like no branding attached to it apart from my development studio. And I thought, well, can I replicate this in a better, can I replicate this blog post and the vi how viral it was and how shareable it was, but with um but with branding for an app so i came up with a name crystal after thinking about you know if this was going to be an app what would it be and i was thinking all the ad blockers tend to be red so i'm going to go blue um just out of first instinct and it's kind of like crystal clear and it you know mm -hmm. clarity, that's kind of what i go for so i was thinking of the branding and then um i recreated that blog, blog post and made it a lot better you know expand it to lots of different websites and having more detailed stats of how content blocking works and um how well it works and various stuff and also had a call to action on there said um i'm going to be sending out beta invites if you're interested um sign up to my mailing list so i right. set up um mailchimp i think it was i oh, know it was just a google sheet at the time all oh, right and um, i didn't really i didn't even have a plan of how i'm gonna i was just gonna email these people one by one and then um i shared it this is like 2 a.m in the morning so i finished <laughs> all finished the blog post published shared it on reddit and disappeared for the night and then um, I think at the end of, uh, after after a month, I had about 10,000 people yeah. on this list, 10,000 emails captured. Yeah. And um, and then I, I just started to look through this email list because I was expecting, because um, Apple at the time only lets you invite up to 100 beta testers to test your app. Mm -hmm. So um, and that's 100, including your own devices. So I had my iPhone, my iPad, my wife's iPhone. So it was three devices gone out of that pool. So I have to be very selective out of which, you know, yeah. out of this 10,000 people like who I can at, share this with. Were you looking at high profile domain names and going, all oh, right, I want them to have it? I was, yeah. I was, yeah. So there was, um, there was people at, for example, at theverge.com, at techcrunch.com email address. And I thought, well, they're journalists. So I'm going to give them priority because they've got the, the ways and the means to uh, spread it out. And there's also some Apple developers uh, or Apple staff on there as well, which mm. is interesting. So, um yeah, so people like that, I sent like a more personalised invite to, and like sent like a email and said, you know, if you have got any questions, contact me. Here's my details, blah blah blah. And um, I got a few interviews and some press out of that, which is uh, really useful. I just picked out of you know the other nine thousand nine hundred email addresses, just picked like a random twenty or thirty and started sending them off, and then started um, incorporating Twitter into it. So you know, follow, share, like my Twitter, and I'm going to give away five beta invites to the next. A couple of hours or something, you know, that kind nice of thing. Day, yeah. So, um, so yeah, just kind of building up a contactable user base. And then um, when it came to launch time, 
I had to, or about a week before I launch, I had this big giant list of emails. And then I thought, how do I actually email these people? <laughs> <laughs> I can't write 10,000 emails because no. um, part of my capture was sign up to get a chance to be in a beta and um, also get notifications once the app is released. So I had to send an email to release. I thought if it's just like 100 emails, I can just, I can just do that through Gmail. But um, mm-hmm. this required a bit of extra thinking. So I looked into MailChimp. Um, that was very easy to use. Just imported the my email database into there and that was great to use and made all these nice templates and, and everything and um when the app was launched i actually gave it away for free for 24 hours so um because i felt a bit you, guilty yeah do you, did you think that um that helped get it more noticed because then people would share it more or get this while it's free exactly yeah one of the common themes i had among friends and, and people online who are testing it is just once you install an ad blocker on Safari and you start browsing some websites, it's just so noticeable when you have to tell someone. It's like a really viral element. It's like, look, this page loads like, you know, if you're dropping down for 11 seconds, two seconds on this popular website yeah. I tested, that's something you want to tell people about. And it's just, so it's just got a really viral way of spreading. So I thought the more people who have my product in the first 24 hours, they're the influential power users who, you know, update instantly and then look for their new apps. So um, I sent an email out and said a 24-hour promotion. You can get the app for free. From tomorrow, it'll be changing to um, to, a, to a paid app. And um, yeah, it pretty much hit the top of the charts. Um, it was like number one paid app in about 32 countries, and it pretty much stayed at the top of the charts for um, a good few weeks. Mm-hmm. And how long in advance did you... Um were you organizing the the blog post and capturing data before you released it not really that long i was just it was just all very like i'd think of something oh, i haven't done this yet and then i just jump in and do it and um luckily like i said before i had this night shift job where i had a lot of free time yeah, at work so I, so I could just open up my macbook and draft a blog post and i'd be taking breaks until 2 a.m in the morning or whatever um, i don't know what my colleagues thought i was doing i was telling them and they were getting like, very in- interested and intrigued of what was going on so really i mean it's not that you you necessarily had any huge deep thought out written strategy and timeline for everything but i think what what you did well is that once you found something that was working you then doubled mm-hmm. down on it and you said ah oh, people are interested in this what can i do to spread the word a bit more? What can I do to capture some of their um, details? Um, and I think a lot of people don't do that. They put something out and expect it to work. And it may or may not, they might be lucky, but I think in just tweaking and changing and trying different things, and you know, once you do find something like, you know, it went viral, you, you made the most of it at that time. And I think that's, that's good. And you're working around that. So yeah. have you tried any other promotional methods? Have you tried any advertising? I know you're on, obviously, Carl's podcast. Have you done any other podcasts um, that have worked well? Um, yeah, it was actually one of Carl's um, co-hosts who invited me on to his podcast a few years ago, and that's how I actually met Carl, just through Crystal was very popular, was getting a lot of press, and then someone emailed me from the middle of Wales and said, do you want to join our podcast, talk about Apple stuff? I was like, and talk about Crystal and iOS. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I jumped on there. I got to meet Carl and, uh, and a few others, and we're still friends today and still podcast together, um, more or less weekly. Um, yeah, I've been on a few other podcasts. Um, probably one of my favorite ones was on the Twit Network, This Week oh, yeah. in Tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to, I got to join. Um, it was an episode of Triangulation, which is, uh, I think it's more like a security-based mm-hmm. podcast, just discussing what's going on. 
So I got to join on there with some of the team from Adblock Plus, and we're just talking about ad blocking and Apple. Um, mm. This is a few months after release. Oh wow! Because um, that's a big network. Was Leo? Um, I know he sort of heads up that network. Um, was he on there? He was. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. um, we was actually in San Francisco a few weeks before, and one of my friends, he's a big fan of Leo and the Twit Network, so he said that's a few towns away. We can rent a car, drive there, and they've actually got a studio you can sit in if you email and request beforehand. They'll, they'll accommodate you. So we went there, and then after the show, we introduced ourselves to Leo. I said, oh, hi, we're here from um, Adblock Plus. I'm here from Crystal Adblock. And he said, oh, wow, if I'd known you would have been on, we could have had you on the show to talk about ad blocking. Um, let's definitely arrange something. So we spoke to one of the managers there, and, and they arranged for a show for, I think, a week or two later. Wow, that's good. So, so just getting out there, really, and just taking chances on, on certainly meeting people who, who are involved. Yeah, there's, in this whole process, there's a lot of things that have just fallen into place, you know, being at the right time, right place, and um, just everything's just aligned. Yeah. And um, my strategy was very reactive, I'd say, rather than proactive, because I've never really done a marketing strategy before uh, <laughs> at that point. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of reacting to, I just write something, put it online, and then something happens i'll react to it and in some ways that i think that can work well it obviously has for you um i think some people go too far the other way though they might plan it out too much so they have to stick rigidly to it and i think there's nothing wrong with a plan but at some point you need to revise and look at it and say is that plan still working you know if you're going off in one direction but actually there's something else that's lifting off you need to focus on that um have you tried anything else Have have you done any paid advertising anything like that any other sources of promotion? Um, not really. I've, expe- uh, I've um, experimented with Twitter ads. That didn't really, that didn't really uh, convert users well. Mm-hmm. And um, also the App Store ads. I didn't find that worked well really? for. Um, yeah, that didn't seem to work well for me when I first tried it. But um, it's still getting quite a lot of quite a steady amount of downloads, Good. which is which is fine by me. And. Um, uh, I'm also working with Adblock Plus now on their products, which is quite quite good. Um, working on their Apple side of things, and we've got a good team um, that we've put together now who are working on. Um, well, we just shipped the Mac version of our content blocker, the Mac version of Adblock Plus. It can be a Mac version of Crystal, and then also we've got some iOS apps, Adblock Browser, and also Adblock Plus, which is um, a competitor of Crystal. So it's quite fun to work on the competitor of my products and um in that way because actually both apps they incorporate the acceptable ads policy mm-hmm. which um, is something adblock plus um created and um it's all about showing ads that are acceptable by default so um how did, got... yeah how does that work how, did, how who determines what's an acceptable ad yeah so um it's actually handed off to a committee um an independent committee a year ago of people from the ad tech companies mm-hmm. people from publishers um user agents oh, i think i forgot one mm-hmm. uh, another party but it's it's um it's completely of quite a number of people representing all different sides of the industry and um obviously the, the user opinions as well mm-hmm. and the main things that acceptable ads what makes acceptable ad is the placement of where the ad is so it can't be disrupting the content can't right. be in the middle of the article it has to be top side it needs to be clearly marked as an advertisement, so it can't be stories you like from around the web. It would need to be. You need to have like clear distinction that you know it's an advertisement. Why you need so, to can- cancel Netflix right now? Um, oh, that's good. So, so <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. So, so that is a way of the yeah. ad groups policing themselves, really, and saying, look, this. If, if we don't do this, then someone else is going to police mm. it. So, you know, they need to do it internally. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, the third criteria is size. It can't take up 
too much of a percentage of the uh, of the web page or for example above the folder below the folders um all details on acceptawords.com mm. and um yeah block plus was the first people to come up with a committee like this and since then there's been um the better ads coalition led by google i believe and also um iab has created lean which is their kind of version of this to create a standard in advertising across publishers but um so far block plus can enforce it because they've got the ad um, we've got the ad blockers mm-hmm. um and we can so when you use it throughout the ad blockers we'll just see it here and it's all about user testing yeah it's good um i, I just want to move on um to um what your what your biggest challenge is over the course of the developing crystal and promoting it and selling it what's the biggest challenge you faced so far biggest challenge was dealing with some negative press i'd mm-hmm. say um when I introduced Acceptable Ads, there was a bit of, um, there's a lot of misleading articles about it because it was a popular app at the time. Uh, it's like a few months after launch, it was a popular app. And then Acceptable Ads, in, integrating Acceptable Ads into it kind of led way for um, headlines such as Crystal now so advertising in your in the app, you know, we'll put adverts everywhere. And that's not the case at all. No. It's it's more about, and this is coming from publishers who this would actually benefit, you know, as people who see no ads, and they're going to see some minimal ads that will support your website so um, and support the industry as a whole, really. So, um, and getting, you know, getting adblock users used to seeing ads that are of a specific quality. Mm. After them, headlines went around. I started getting a lot of bad feedback. And then pretty much most of the people, when I messaged them like, through, through my support emails, through Twitter, when I messaged them back and said, the article you read isn't accurate, here's my blog post, give it a read and let me know what you think. After reading it, a lot of people just came back and said, oh, is that all it, it is? I don't oh. Yeah, that's terrible. You know, they were not, giving you feedback exactly, without yeah. fully reading it or fully understanding. But that—that's what happens a lot of the time. The headline is then becomes the article because people will pass yeah. it on, and they've just read the headline and they haven't read the detail of it. Yeah, and it all came out of um, a throwaway comment in like a new, in a Wall Street Journal article, and then from there the Diverge picked it up, and from there lots of other tech websites picked it up, and a lot of other websites picked it up, and then it's just filtered through so many layers of copy-paste journalism as i like to call yeah, it, it um that you know it's it, the truth gets lost the more further down the line you go and um, no one reached out to me to ask you know really to, i was to gonna ask that's, t- that's terrible no no because i because uh, um, i was initially interviewing with uh, wall street journal and they got a quote from me so they just picked that quote that one line of a quote that on its own and you know i've never had pr training of that kind of quality so you know if i can slip up and say word things maybe not how they are etc yeah. but um but yeah a lot of major publications didn't reach out they just use this quote out of context and so um yeah it, it really made me mistrust the media being on that <laughs> side like you always hear like these media conspiracies like they're against you and you know they'll just feed whatever and they're trying to run a narrative but it really made me think like you know i'm an easy person to find online i'm very public on twitter so they could have reached out to me for a quote you know is this accurate is but that didn't happen yeah, that's a real shame. Yeah, that is a real shame. And so, but that's, you, you got over that um, and you, mm-hmm. you, you're through the other side of it. Um, so, I mean, you've maybe already talked about what you're looking to do next, working with Adblock, um, developing Crystal as a Mac app. Is there anything else? Are you, are you thinking about other apps that are outside of this in a sort of different um, category area? Um, I wish I had share? time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the time. I really want to experiment with, um, one technology I really want to experiment with is AR. Um, Apple is really doubling down on their AR APIs in, in their new phones um, and new iPads. 
but it, it from what I can tell, it's really just leading the way for um, and setting the groundwork for developers for when they release a new product, such as glasses, which will have the AR built in or a headset of some kind with with AR. So that's something that I'm really interested in. Um, the possibilities i've seen lots of demos that have really inspired like you look at your credit card and it will instantly just tell you just by looking at it it knows what credit card is knows a number it'll just tell you your account details just by looking at it or... tell you how um how much you owe them <laughs> exactly yeah or like you look at a business card and it'll just bring up clickable elements and just you know you can click the uh the email address and just instantly add it to your contact etc and stuff like that so it's really interesting applications for it but Using it on the phone or iPad, it's just very clunky at the moment. Yes. We've been playing with it for a client who uh, they produce furniture, um, usually custom design furniture, like, let's say for a school, a boarding school or something like that, and they'll custom design furniture for all the, all the boarding house. Um, and one of the things that we're looking at is how we can take their models and put them into an iPad app which they can then show to clients. So if they've, they've got a bespoke boardroom table or whatever they're making, they can go to the school or the client and show them the table and walk around it and say, right, hold the iPad and you can walk around and you can have a look at the table. And I did some initial tests with the, the models that Apple had online using the beta of iOS 12. And I was so impressed by how the model stuck to um, the floor where you had attached it. And you can look all around underneath <laughs> It's incredibly pretty rock solid for some things. I mean, if it's dark, it sort of drifts off a little bit. Or if it's too light or bright, it drifts off. But in normal light, it's amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting subject. And it's just like QR codes. I think having that integration directly in the phone. So uh, you take a picture and if it's a QR code, it just comes up with a link. Or if it's, um, if it's a model you download just like a JPEG, it just comes up with quick preview it's, it's amazing but anyway, off, off the topic I, I'm, I'm really excited that they're sort of starting to delve into all these areas we wanted them to so yeah there might be something interesting there um, so just to round off what um, what two bits of marketing advice or tips would you give to people listening yeah um, thinking back over what what I had done and what would have helped me is one, I would have started capturing user interest um, a lot earlier. If you're going to um, write a blog post trying to promote something that's due to come out, have some way of um, capturing that interest so you can contact them down the line or have them have a way of them pre-ordering or um, that, and also incentivizing them. So part of, pe part of my method is to try and get people to sign up to my mailing list so I can let them know when the app is launched. So type to my mailing list and there's a chance you'll get into the beta and try you know three months before it's due to be launched and mm. and um help me give feedback and also through that i had quite people quite a few people from other countries such as france germany uh, spain say hey i noticed the app is all in english do you want me to help you out and translate it so um so yeah i had quite a lot of community help in the translations which is really nice just mm. from my testers so they got to use this app a few months in advance and in exchange for for the access, I got um I got some translations off of them to uh, better localize my app to uh, different countries. That was uh, very useful. Yeah, so it just goes and, to um, show you don't need to you don't need to pay people. They're willing if they get they're getting some value from it, which is like to test test this app before anyone else yeah. and and maybe feel that they're giving you something. Really, they're doing a lot of work for you. Yeah, nice yeah exactly. And um, one thing as well, when you think of um, app specific marketing, is 
try and localize it. I was quite lucky that when I launched my app, it was localized in um, several different languages, including Chinese, Japanese, and uh, a lot of European languages and Russian. Um, so I noticed in countries where my app was localized, it was performing a lot better than the competitors. Right. Because it was probably appealing more to their search terms or they felt more comfortable seeing something in their own native language. So if you think of distributing an app, think the app stores are global. They're not just localized. Mm -hmm. Like uh, physical products typically are if you're starting up. So, um, yeah, think global. Yeah, some good tips. Um, so we'll sign off now. Um, I must direct people to, if they're interested in the app, and I, I recommend you go and have a look. Uh, it's what, 99p at the moment, I think, on the app store? Uh, yeah, sounds right. Um, so it's a bargain, really. Um, so go to uh, just go onto the iPhone app store you can download it there it's called Crystal Adblock I think you've also got an Android version uh, yeah I've got an Android version um, in partnership with Samsung so it works on any Android phone that has um, the Samsung browser right so it integrates into Samsung browser the same way it integrates into Safari for um, iOS Okay, so I guess Google don't really want you hooking into their Chrome browser. No. If, um, <laughs> Funny that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I wonder why. why. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, the Samsung browser is um, a forked version of Chrome, so mm -hmm. it's based on Chrome, but it allows um, this ad blocking to work. And um, yeah, so you can still crystal on there. Okay. Um, you can also read more about it on, uh, is it crystalapp.co? Mm -hmm. And if uh, your other website, which I've got up here, is murphyapps.co as well. And so you can look at all the other apps that um, uh, Dean was working on and, um, you know, find out. You know, I, I was quite interested actually going through the blog. So, you know, I saw some of that timeline you were talking about. Um, and it, it's quite interesting. So if, you're, if you want to see how Dean did that and how he sort of got the success out of the blog post, then I'll go and have a look at that. Um, and you on Twitter, you are Crafty Dino. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Excellent. Oh, what's what's in the image in your header profile? What is that on Twitter? That's a good question. <laughs> Let me click it and find out. Um, okay, so that's... Um, it's a fluffy rabbit thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a, uh, from a Japanese kids cartoon called My Neighbor Totoro for kids film. And when I went to Japan um, for a developer conference, one of the places we had coffee in made this for me, which is one of the famous cartoon characters in like a latte uh, so like it's all, it's all latte foam and it took about five minutes for coffee to come so i, I was getting a bit stressed like waiting for it and yeah. then when it came i just i just forgive everything <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing so you should uh, everyone if they do nothing else you should go and look at uh, dean's twitter profile at crafty dino and see what we're talking about it's most bizarre but it looks pretty cool uh, is there anything <laughs> else you want to share um no i think that's everything um yeah Thanks, Dean. It's really, really good to meet you because we're, we're, I mean, everyone's listening to this on audio, but I'm talking to, to Dean over FaceTime and I've, I've not, uh, we've not uh, met each other properly. So uh, it's really nice to talk to you properly and hopefully catch you again on a, another episode of um, uh, Mac and Forth. If Carl will have me back yeah. on again. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Dean. Good to speak to you. Yeah, thanks for the invite. I loved it. Thanks for listening. If you like this interview, you can visit ratherinventive.com slash podcast and listen to more interviews with fascinating people, plus our monthly podcast on business, creativity, and the web. To get the latest episodes the moment they are available, you should subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or whichever podcast player you use. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter, or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. 
Bye.